Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, and here's a stat for you, Simon. It's now 4,000 days since England last won a test match in Australia. That was, of course, in the 2010-11 series when they won in Sydney. 4,000 days since they last won a test match in Australia. And, well, there was no chance, obviously, of them winning this test match. But it's also, this defeat, their eighth defeat of the year. And it's equal with the worst they've ever had in a year. And if they lose in Melbourne, that'll be the ninth defeat in the calendar year, which is England's worst ever. So not a nice way to to report uh, what's happened today or not a nice introduction to what's happened today. First things first, Yoz, happy birthday. So at least there's something to celebrate today. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. Well done in, ma- in, in making 77. You've done, you, you look remarkably well. I look for, all right for 77. Don't you, right? Do, yeah, you do. You look, very, yeah. you look very good for 77. Anyway, Cheers. so let's, let, let's get that out of the way. Um, also as well, though, here's a stat for you. It's about 7,000 days since Australia have won a test series in England as well. So, I mean, you know, they, have, they don't do quite so well in England, although, of course, they do win some test matches in England, which is you know, beyond what England are at the moment able to do in Australia. Today was all about survival, and they actually gave it a pretty good go, to be honest. What, what time did you wake up this morning? Um, 7.30. Yeah. And I so thought, you- yes, I thought the game would be over, yes. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people did. I thought oh, I'm not going to bother. It, it, it'll be over. But actually, they really, they really battled away. They battled for 113.1 overs in all. There are only about 20 overs left of the match when the final wicket fell. I mean, there was a sense of inevitability about it. Although, just at one point, you know, they got to tea, they got into the final session of the day, and then Josh Butler hit wicket. I mean, it's been about 90 years apparently since you know someone's hit wicket in a in a Test match at the Adelaide Oval. 
And it, it's not happened since 1947 in Australia in an Ashes Test match. The last England batter to be out hit wicket, that was 13 years ago. And Butler actually batted really well today. Great discipline, 207 balls for his 26. But so much damage was done on the first four and a bit days of the game. I mean, Ollie Pope out this morning, 86 for five. It was hopeless. I mean, England did really well to get where they ended up, to be honest. And, you know, they made Australia sweat a bit, you know, and they, they, they forced, forced them to, to work really hard. They took, you know, took some miles out of their legs. But ultimately, the bottom line, the, 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 you started with some stats. Yours and the stat that really matters is Australia, or two stats, 275-run victory, which is a crushing win, and 2-0 up with three to play in the series. And there is a, a case, an instance of a team coming back from 2-0 down in an Ashes series. Do you know when it was? Yeah, it was back in the 19... Well, it was before the war, wasn't it? 1936-7. And it was Australia coming back from 2-0 down in Australia. Obviously, obviously. Uh, They did have have, uh, one major advantage or asset, and that was somebody called Donald Bradman, who made 270, 160 and 90 or something in the, the subsequent matches and turn the series round. <laughs> but I think the exception proves the rule, and I can't see England coming back from 2-0 down away from home in this instance. Very disappointing. And I mean, obviously, could we play double or quits now, do you reckon? <laughs> it, you know, well, we, we just cancel these first two and start a new series, perhaps. I'm not sure the Australians will agree with that. Uh, I mean... <laughs> They they are dominant at home and they are you know they're a, they're a good side we've talked about it and and they found another one haven't they today who who was the man we were looking at Lyon and actually Lyon was you know Lyon was a threat all day and he he made them work really hard and he did get the wicket of of Stokes and he also got Robinson out as well going round the wicket which is something you suggested he should do yesterday it took him twenty six overs yours uh, to go round the wicket but finally he did and he got the stubborn Robinson out who was there eight from thirty nine balls okay so there was Lyon today Jai Richardson chips in with five wickets you know and Ashley's first five for, for Jai Richardson in his third test match they, you know they say he bowls well with, with the pink ball and he, you know, he bowled a couple of cracking deliveries yesterday to Hamid and the final wicket today but he bounced out Jimmy Anderson he also bowled a really fine delivery to get rid of Chris Wokes just nipping the ball back through the gate after eight overs with the second new ball it was a frustrating period because that partnership between Wokes and Butler was worth 61 but more importantly it used up 31 overs and you know there must have been there must have been a little bit of not fear in the Australian camp that's the, that's the wrong word just a bit of concern in the Australian camp because England you know did show some fight and they 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 were beginning to get through the new ball but Richardson I mean he looks he looks a decent bowler and uh, you know they they always seem to turn up you know, no, no Hazelwood, no Cummings, but there is Richardson replacing. And you know, you, you, could could Hazelwood have done any better than that? Nineteen point one overs, nine maidens, five for forty-two. No, he probably <clears> couldn't. <throat> although he did go wicketless in the first innings. I think what he did really well, and this is something I suppose that we have mentioned before, is he attacked the stumps a lot. And he's slightly shorter than than Stark or Hazelwood. Mm. He, more of his deliveries are hitting the wicket, and that. Delivery to Chris Wokes is a great example, actually, of uh, you know just constantly pl- plugging away off stump and getting one just to nip back through the gate with the second new ball. And I mean, actually, most of his wickets, I think, apart from the way he bounced out Jimmy Anderson at the end, uh, most of his wickets were with foolish deliveries. Uh, it reminds me a little bit, actually, of um, 
I know he's not as fast, but the way he bowls, he's a bit like Malcolm Marshall. Um, small, not, not small, but sort of shorter than the average fast bowler nowadays, and sort of charging to the wicket and really sort of trying to bowl full and attacking the stumps or the outside edge and and just kept you know keeping going, getting the ball to just do enough. And well, you know, well done to him. He, he's got good enough pace. I, I said before the Test match, maybe Australia would be less potent without Hazelwood and Cummins and. You know, I think they were. I don't think Michael Neese is a particularly impressive bowler. He's sort of steady and nothing more. But actually, Jai Richardson is, is impressive. Yeah, Neese in the match. 11 overs, 1 for 33. And 13 overs, 5 maidens, 1 for 28. So a couple of wickets and control as well. Although, having said that, England were just batting out today. I mean, goodness me. You're saying Australia have got Malcolm Marshall now, have they? Slight overstatement. Yeah, I sort of know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, that he, he does run in with great purpose, doesn't he, uh, Jai Richardson? He's got and those he, eyes as well, hasn't he? Yeah. Those and sort he, of starey eyes that make you kind of a little bit quake if you're a nervous batsman. Yeah, because actually this has been quite a friendly series. Of course, there's, there's talk on the field, but you almost feel Jai Richardson is thinking, Can I, I really want to say something here. You know, are, are, we not supposed, are we not allowed to say anything anymore in these Ashes series? You know, we, it's all the friendly Ashes and we've got two decent men as, as captain and, you know, we've got COVID on and there are bigger th- concerns in the world and it's great that we're just have, actually having cricket and so, you know, why do you want to behave like a pork chop? But you, you, you just sense that Richardson, he wouldn't mind. I mean, I don't, I don't know him at all and I haven't seen enough of him but you just you're right he's got those sort of starey eyes you feel as though he, he wants to add a word or two as well uh, to, to the to the stare anyway well you know excellent well played from him uh, you know five for 42 and really purposeful today and he also got Butler to hit his wicket as well I'm mean, really strange dismissal looking to you know push into the offside uh, and suddenly just I mean, you know everyone was following the ball and wondering what had happened and then he just saw the the bail dislodge his, his back foot just or his heel actually Clipping the the off stump, sort of summed up Butler's match in a way. I mean, great fight today, but it sort of summed up his game. You know, duck in the first innings, a couple of crucial drops, and Marnus Labuschagne was player of the match for his century and his fifty. And yet Butler dropped him on twenty one. I mean, it just shows, doesn't it? It's, it's it's absolutely vital that you know you've got to take those catches. And England, you know, have been undone by dropping catches in, in this series so far, and many other things as well. I mean. We, we remember we started. We we did our preview podcast, yours, and we talked about uh, we had, we had Mark Pugach on, didn't we? Looking back at eighty six, eighty seven, and there was you know can't back, can't bowl, can't field, and uh, you, you, you wouldn't want to say this about this England side, but you know there's you know that flaws in the batting, flaws in the bowling, flaws in the fielding, and it, and they, they, all those three, you know, they haven't functioned at all. Those three departments in this Ashes series so far. It's contagious, that kind of thing, isn't it? If one sort of area of the game goes wrong, it seems to infect other areas. And that's certainly true of wicket keepers. If their batting is not going well, they tend to you know, be a little bit fallible behind the stumps. I mean, I think with Butler, it's somebody made a quite an interesting point on Twitter that he only seems to bat well in test matches when he knows what to do. So, for instance, in that exciting test match against Pakistan at Old Trafford when the target was whatever 
And 270. You know, wickets, had, wickets had fallen, so there's five down, and it's him and, and Chris Wokes. And, you know, they, they had a, a, a finite amount of time to get the runs, and they got the runs, and they tra- treated it pretty much like a one-day pursuit, a one-day chase. And he seemed to know how to, to manage that innings. And equally, do you remember, he fought hard against India at Lords as well, yeah, and yeah. nearly survived until the close, batting, you know, incredibly resolutely with excellent technique. And he's such a good judge of the line and length of the ball uh, in general. And so when he knows how to bat, as in this case today, obviously it was just a question of survival and at Lords, or when it, it's clearly uh, you've got to attack, you've got to play his natural game to, to get a, a target, he seems to be fine. But sometimes he just seems to get stuck when it's the first innings of a test match and you know maybe a few wickets have fallen, but England are in a, a middling sort of situation. He's not quite sure what his role is, whether to, to just play time, bat time, or to be aggressive and play his natural game. He's not helped by the fact that coming in at seven, he, he can't be quite sure how long the lower order are going to last. Sometimes a player like Wokes can be really effective, and then, but, but then after him, there's very little resistance. So I'm not sort of totally excusing him. He has played some poor shots, but I think it's... It's identifying his role, which he still hasn't really quite done a lot of the time. Yeah, I think it was Pushkar, wasn't it, who p- produced another stat as well. You, you, you talk about it's also when you come in as well. So if you come in, you know, you're coming in five down. Now, if your team is 280 for five, then it's party time, isn't it? You've got more license or 350 for five or whatever it is. And, and Pushkar's stat was it was comparing when Josh Butler comes in for England, when Adam Gilchrist used to come in for Australia. On, on average, Adam Gilchrist would come in 60 runs further on. So Australia would be something like 230, whereas England are you know, 170 on average when Josh Butler comes in. So, you know, you're under more pressure. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to compare Butler with Gilchrist, but they're sort of, they're sort of similar types of players in a way. But Gilchrist obviously far more successful in, in test match cricket and Josh Butler's not been able to do that. But if you're coming in when the, the foundation has been laid by some you know, top-class players, it is, you have got more licence and you are, you, know, you are freer to play. You know, having said that, he was a, he was a wonderful player. Adam Gilchrist, as Josh Butler's you know, often coming in under under pressure because of England's failings. He might what do- actually benefit Butler talking to Gilchrist, you know, uh, you know, because Shane Warne is is Butler's great fan, and you can hear him on commentary warn even when D- Butler drops a catch, him being quite sympathetic actually warn because he's 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 he idolises Josh Butler in many ways. Uh, that goes back to their relationship at Rajasthan Royals and. Uh, I mean, Warren is a great, is a big fan. But Gilchrist would be someone who's more attuned to coming in in those circumstances and kind of how to to manage your game and what sorts of risks to take. I don't know. I mean, it'd be quite an interesting conversation. But Butler is not the most forward uh, in terms of approaching people. He tends to be quite reserved and wait for people to come to him. But I think I think he needs a bit of help because there still is. There still is an excellent test player in there, but it just hasn't quite emerged properly. Well, if you're English, you're probably not feeling like a beer right now. But cheer yourself up and order some craft beers for the festive period from Beer 52. Beer 52 are a craft beer supplier like no other, sending experts around the globe to find the best beer available anywhere on the planet. And in true Christmas spirit, 
Beer 52 are offering listeners of this podcast 10 free beers. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com slash cricket and cover £5.95 for postage to claim your free case. Each month, Beer 52 members receive a new case, usually from a different part of the world. Members have had beers from more than 40 countries in the past few weeks. As well as the excellent beer, you'll also get two tasty snacks supplied with your free case. Go to beer52.com slash cricket. After claiming your free case, you'll join the monthly beer club, £24 a month, no minimum commitment, pause or cancel any time, and enjoy. OK, then, y'all, so England are 2-0 down with three to play. I think we, we both accept that, I think most people do accept, that England are not going to win the Ashes, and it's a question of, of what the score is going to be, really, how big... Australia's margin of victory is going to be in this series. Both of us said uh, 3-1 at the start of the series. And if, if it is going to be 3-1, England have to really you know, get on their game here, aren't they, to, and, and check Australia. Because at the moment, the, the, the juggernaut is, is heading down the hill and someone's cut the brakes. Uh, you know, it, it is speeding fast. And uh, Joe Root, in his post-match uh, presentation interview today with Adam Gilchrist, was, was talking about the bowler's length. He, 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 it's something actually started with, and so it, it must have been something in his head that you know he really wanted a point he really wanted to get across. He was saying the bowlers didn't bowl, bowl full enough, and so he, he was sort of calling them out a bit. You, you know, it's not often that he does it. You know, most captains defend their players, don't they? They say, you know, yeah, we did this. We take the positives. You know, we need to play better. But you know, it, you you have to say when you're two 0 down in the Ashes and you've had a bad year as England have had, you can't just come out with that the whole time. I mean, he did talk about the bowls. You know, they need to bowl fuller. And you know, it's a really emphatic point that he was making. And he said, "We do give them the." He, I, I spoke to him as well and did an interview with him. We, you know, we do give them the plans. You know, we do every session. We 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 show them. We talk about it. So I don't know. You know, is is there something going on there between? Uh, you know, is there a sort of a like? No, we want to do it this way, and the, the captain wants to do it another way. I, I don't know. It's interesting that I mean, I think there is always in a cricket team factions, bowlers and batsmen. They are different beasts and they do tend to kind of become cliques in a way and bowlers especially will even privately and as a, as a group will blame the batsmen just as often the batsmen blame the bowlers but the bowlers will look at England's batting and say look we can't afford to pitch the ball up because we're not getting enough runs as a team therefore we've got to be bowl dry we've got to make sure that Teams don't get easy runs. And they're, they're looking at it in a, in a slightly, I suppose, negative way because you can look at it two ways. You could say, well, we want to dry the runs up, big kick, bowl back of a length so they can't score easily. But the way of taking wickets is by pitching it up. And that's what the stats tend to show. So you, have, you need to take risks sometimes. You know, you need to be uh, positive to, to move forward. You need to speculate to accumulate slightly and that's where uh, they're getting it wrong I think is you know forgetting that wickets are the best way of drying up the, the runs by getting people out rather than just you know keeping them in and stopping them from scoring and and actually you know some batsmen are fallible when you uh, bowl back of a length and just deny them runs because eventually they'll play a loose shot but the likes of Labuschagne and uh, and Smith are not like that they, they will just wait and wait and wait for their opportunity especially when they're, when they're in decent form, as they are now. So I think England do have to look at that. I mean, in the end, what the bowlers will say is Joe Root is coming into bat every time at an average of 37 for two. Mm. 
That's the stat I think that Andy Zaltzman yeah, pulled right. up uh, yeah. over the last couple of days. I'm not sure if that's a calendar year or in the last two years or something, but certainly over the last sort of few months, the average score for two wickets is 37, which is when Joe Root comes to the wicket. He's just not getting enough protection. England's opening pair are just not doing their job, and that's making it much harder for everyone else, not just the batsmen, but the bowlers as well, because England are not getting enough runs. And if they did, the bowlers would be more inclined to pitch it up, probably, because they can give away a few boundaries, knowing that they've got runs as protection in the bank. Yeah, Rory Burns, 51 runs from four innings. Hamid, 58 runs from four innings. So those are England's you know, openers. Um, Burns in the second innings got a bit of a start here. Hamid in the first two innings, the two innings of the, the Gabba Test match, bit of a start, wasn't able to, to go on. Uh, so what, what do England do then, uh, yours, uh, from, from your viewpoint in terms of changes for the, the next Test mm. match? I mean, presumably Mark Wood, well, Mark Wood... Is definitely going to come back because he was sort of rested here to come back and play in Melbourne. So he's definitely going to play, isn't he? For obviously for for one of the other uh, pace bowlers, uh, do they play Jack Leach well or Don Best? Well, they have to look at the pitch to see what the MCG pitch is like. But what about the what about the batting? So you've got your you've got your mm. seven: Burns, Hamid, Milan, Root, Stokes, Pope, and Butler. Well, it seems to me, obviously Milan's going to play, Root's going to play, Stokes is going to play, and after today. I would say Butler's going to play. Uh, I don't know whether they were thinking of leaving him out or not. I don't know. But, I mean, he did look a bit shot, you know, earlier in the game, you know, naught and drop catches and whatever. But today, you know, there was that resolution, there was that steeliness. So, you're talking about Burns, Hamid and Pope. Are mm. they under threat or is it a case of, well, they've been batting, preparing, you know, c can you bring in a player who has not... You know, not played at all, but you know, barely played in innings on the tour, just been netting. You know, for the MCG Test match on Boxing Day, or is it like, well, hang it, you know, we're two 0 down, we we got to gamble. Let's do something different. We just keep on doing the same thing. We'll get beaten again. It's so difficult because they're just not getting any games, are they? In the olden days, you'd have played a, a match between the second and third Tests, but obviously that doesn't happen anymore. I my feeling is I would want to play. I think Crawley, Zach Crawley, is a is going to be a very good test player. He's already got a double hundred in test cricket, which shows he's got the aptitude for it. And I know he hasn't probably played much cricket lately. Obviously, he's been netting. Uh, I just feel he has authority as a batsman, which Hamid lacks. And uh, of the two, Hamid and Burns, Burns, you know, he's, he's got a horrible method, but he sort of does manage to get runs and he seems to be getting gradually better in the series. Whereas Hamid just looks, to me, vulnerable. I don't think he's ever going to hurt the Australians with the bat. He's, he's got good temperament and, you know, so on. But I just sort of feel that he's... It, it, it's a, there's, a, there's a ball around the corner that's got his name on it and he won't have scored many runs in the meantime. So... I would prefer to have Zach Crawley in to open and I'd play Bairstow instead of Pope, who just looks at the moment a rabbit in headlights. What about Milan going up to open? Milan well, opening think, and Crawley at, like at three. Well, I quite, well, you could do that. Uh, I quite like Milan at three. He's a calming influence. Um, you know, you, In a way, you don't necessarily want him exposed to the brand new ball. If you If you can sort of see off 10 overs before he comes in, I think that's better. But so I'd keep him. Th I think three and four Milan and Root is a good combination, and they've had some excellent partnerships already. Yeah. So I would keep that that core: Stokes, Milan, Butler, Stokes, Milan, Root at, at three, four, five. 
Um, I just think you know, they need some more solidity at the top. So someone has to give way. And I would say that at the moment, that to me is Hamid. It also gives you left hand, right hand uh, if you bring Crawley in at the top. And Bairstow at the moment would just be a better bet for me than Pope, who I think, again, is someone who will potentially be a, a, a good test player. But at the moment, just can't figure it out, especially against Lyon. Just looks vulnerable to to everyone really. So Bearstow's experienced. He's tough. He's he's got a good record at batting around six or seven. So you know why why not give him a chance? Hmm. What about the bowlers then? Who who drops out for you? Wood, well, Wokes, comes back. Wokes has been ineffective, hasn't he? And we we've known really for a long time that Wokes doesn't do it in Australia, and it's improved again. Fine cricketer, just doesn't have the impact. Doesn't have the penetration on these pitches so wood for wokes and i would think about i think i would think about bess actually um in, in instead of one of the other seams one of broad or anderson because mm. again it depends on the pitch but i know he's in- inaccurate and inconsistent but england surely have to try and find something from this tour and and give somebody like him the opportunity to to find himself um so I'm just not convinced Jack Leach will do a good enough job. There are quite a few left-handers in the Australian side. I, I, I just think Bess might be a better bet, but mm. I'm not entirely convinced about that. What about you? What do you think? Well, uh, well, I, I'm not entirely convinced about it either. I, I, I mean, I think I think Leach is the better spinner of the two. Best, you know, best can bat a bit. So you leave out Wokes. I mean, I mean, the, the whole point of Stokes uh, coming back into the side is that he sort of balances the side, but. England do look short on bowling as well. I mean, but in, in, in both Test matches, Australia have got four hundred. They 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 lack that penetration. I mean, Mark Wood should should help them uh, in mm. that, and he was very tight, wasn't he, in the in the in the Gabba Test match? You know, there's a, there's a concern with uh, Mark Wood that he leaks runs, and England wanted to control the rate. But well, they controlled the rate in this game. But look look at, look what good that game did them. You know, they controlled the rate on the first day, two hundred and twenty one for two. Australia didn't get away, but they only lost two wickets. So they had that nice base in, in which to build and just grind England down. And you know, they had that it was a turgid start to the game and eventually the, but they got over the line. It built what happened today. It built that the fact they were able to have all those overs uh, to bowl England out. With the batting I, I just don't know what the solutions are. I, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm not convinced by any of them, to be honest. Mm, well, I say yeah. not convinced by any of them. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced by uh, Milan, Root, and Stokes, um, but I'm, I'm not. I think the rest is flaky, and you, you, you yeah. can almost just toss them all up in the air, see which way they land, and almost the same thing, same things will happen. So you know, it's up to one of those three. You know, Pope Hamid Burns to step up and really sort of take control in the way it's sort of in the way that Stokes did in this test match. He dug in. Okay, he didn't get many runs, but Butler did today. Dug in and really find a way to to keep out the good balls and to to tick the board over. You know, it, it, it's got to happen. Otherwise, it's going to be another you know crushing Ashes defeat. It feels that way already at the moment. But I, I think the interesting one actually is is what happens with with uh, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, because. Joe Root clearly, you know, he made those comments in, in his both his interviews, and so it must be sort of directed at, at somebody. We were here four years ago when England bowled too short in the first things when they put them in. It's like this, it's they just played the same Test match over again. It, it, it seems to me. I mean, not quite, not quite, but it's all it's it's, it's had the mm. same shape to it. So four mm. years later, same things are happening. So. 
I don't know, they'll, they'll, they'll try and change it. Because last time, the, the MCG Test match was played on the flattest pitch. Imagine it was an utterly tedious game of cricket. And it was the one game that England haven't lost since they won in Sydney gloriously in 2011. So, I don't know, perhaps they, would, perhaps they wouldn't mind a really flat pitch and a boring draw. Um, but, you know, they have to win at the MCG, don't they? They have to win to have a chance of winning the Ashes. This match struck me as a bit like... Um, a sort of Shakespeare play when, um, or a, a play of some kind, when somebody early on is shot in the stomach or stabbed in the stomach, or King Lear, you know, someone like that is is sort of injured, fatally injured, and then for the next three scenes they're clutching at life with soliloquies here and there, but you know they're going to die. And, and they gradually kind of slump to the floor and eventually they do die. But they sort of manage to make, make the, the dying kind of last about three scenes or three acts. And that's what this test felt like. It felt like England were thumped in the, stabbed in the, in the solar plexus early on in the game and never really recovered. Yeah, yeah, a slow, a slow, long, inevitable uh, death for England in this test match. It was remarkable, actually. They took it as, as long as they did. So there we go then, England 2-0 down uh, with three to play. We go to uh, Boxing Day, the, the MCG Test Match. They're talking about you know 85,000 people in there on Boxing Day and they'll, they'll come to sort of celebrate what's happened so far. And England, you know, if, if it's friendly on the field, it won't be so friendly in the stands on, on Boxing Day for England in, England are in the field on that, on that first day. I suppose what they need to do is, yeah, they need to, you know, they need to start well with the battle of the ball. If, you know, if, if the pitch is flat, they need to win the toss, obviously, and get a decent score. Get, get 200 60 for three on the first day, something like that, or roll Australia over. You know, if the, if there is a bit in the pitch, roll them over. Take in, take the initiative uh, right at the start of the game. Easier said than done. Anyway, yeah, Yoz, that's I, it. We'll we'll get some clues hopefully from. Here's a sort of positive note to finish on. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday night, for our last evening in the Virtual Cricket Club of the Year, uh, we have a former Ashes winner in Australia. On, on the show, Chris Broad, father of Stuart, of course, who won in 86-7 and was one of the opening batsmen, now a match, test match referee. And we also have um, a lady who's going to be playing in the women's ashes after Christmas, Sophia Dunkley, who was selected in the England women's squad for the ashes in, I think, January. And uh, it, it so she's going to have some interesting stuff to say about the English women's prospects in the Ashes, maybe that's what we can hang our hopes on, is England winning the Ashes, England women winning the Ashes after Christmas, because it does feel as if the men have uh, pretty much sacrificed the urn for this year. And uh, so you can join us by uh, joining, you can join us by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com Tuesday night, Chris Broad and Sophia Dunkley, and also another special guest as well, in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust, uh, please join us at worldsbestcricketclub.com this Tuesday at 7.30pm and you'll be there I might I might have to get you to wake up early for that oh. one or you can join you can join in, in sort of mid-flow or something if you like I've got two things left to say to you Yoz one of them is happy birthday and one of them the other is Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to all our listeners goodbye for now <laughs> Thank you.
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.